Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks, Morris. I am Marie, the SLP, and on today's episode, I have the pleasure of talking with Danica from slp.resource, if you want to check her out on Instagram. Danica is a fellow speech-language pathologist. She's also a fellow podcaster and a fellow Southern California resident. Today, we're talking all about how she creates her own materials to meet her clients' individual needs. She's beautifully blended her love for drawing and speech-language pathology to make some wonderful materials and resources for her clients, their families, and some SLPs. Danica and I are also talking a lot about parent involvement in the clinical setting, and Danica gives a great overview on when it's important to have parents sit in on their children's sessions and when it maybe isn't such a good idea. Either way, Danica builds a wonderful relationship with trust and love with all the families she works with, so I can't wait for you to hear more from her. Please help me welcome Danica. Okay, I'm here with Danica. Um, thank you for joining the Thanks Morris podcast. <laughs> but Danica, I'm going to go ahead and just turn it over to you and kind of give us a background on what you do as a speech language pathologist and kind of where you started when you first started and then where you're at now. Got it. Okay. So I, right now I'm in a private practice setting and I work um, with early intervention and school-aged kids. Um, my youngest one right now is one and I think my oldest one is 13 years old. Um, and before all of this, so I went to school at CSUN, and while I was there in my grad program, I worked as a speech specialist at charter schools. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what a speech specialist is, it's basically like a speech therapist working under a waiver, because I feel like speech pathologists are so in demand, which is kind of crazy, you know, so they just got to use what they can. And... So I did that for about two years when I was in grad school, and then I did my externship in a private practice, and there, over there I learned to do pediatric feeding. Um, I did a lot of early intervention there, which was actually my first exposure to early intervention, um, and I also did school-aged kids there. And I didn't think I wanted to do early intervention until I worked there. Um, but I do feel like the thing I'm most passionate about is pediatric feeding. And at my current private practice, I'm doing kind of all the same stuff. Um, so yeah. And I've been working as a private practice outside of grad school for, it's, I'm about to go on three years. Nice. And I almost forgot to mention, you do have your own podcast, right? I do. Yeah. Yes. So okay. it's at home and it's basically, I wanted to create something that, that parents could listen to that give them really quick tips. Um, I know I'm not someone who can sit down for two hours at a time and listen to podcasts and I like to break them up. So I wanted to do something just really quick that, you know, parents could listen to on the way home or, you know, yeah. just to help them with home practice. No, I love, I love that. Um, that's been, I mean, I went on distance learning in March due to COVID and our school shut down and my biggest thing, and I kind of wish I'd known earlier because I could send parents your way, but I definitely will be doing that for my summer, like my summer kids. Um, yeah, because I was trying to think of ways right off the bat, you know, how can I help them at home? What can be functional? What can they, like, what kind of information can they have? And I feel like 
that's perfect because a lot of the time the responses I got from parents are, thank you for all the information. I'm just trying to find time. I'm trying to find time to learn. I'm trying to find time to use what I have. Um, so that's really good. A really great resource. So guys go check her podcast out. Um, I'll make sure that that's all linked in the summary of this episode too. So people can find you. Perfect. (laughs) Um, now you also do something really cool that I love, uh, seeing on your Instagram page. Um, but you make a lot of your own resources. I do. Right. Yeah. So yes, I do. Go on. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. Um, and my, really, my question was, um, I want to kind of know like why, because I think a lot of us are like, I've learned that sometimes the resources I can create on the fly by myself or that I've thought of that I'm like, Oh, maybe that would work. I'll just, I'll try to make something similar to what I've seen or whatever. Sometimes mm-hmm. they tend to work a little bit better. Um, so I kind of want you to go into why, cause you're, you're the expert on that here. You've been, you've been doing that. Little, little, little. <laughs> I try. <laughs> um, but why do you find that to be kind of beneficial, I guess? So I feel like it all started when um, I would spend hours looking for resources, you know, and they do get kind of pricey. You can find a ton of good stuff on teachers, paid teachers and websites like that. But a lot of times you do have to buy them. Um, And there have been times where I have bought things and they looked great, but then I go to use them and they kind of, they just don't work well for my client or it's not exactly, um, it's just not the right resource for them. So sometimes the cues are too heavy or um, things like that. So when, when I was in my sessions, I started to kind of jot down like, oh, this would be a super helpful material that I can have. So I would go and search for it at the end of the day. And sometimes I spent so long searching for the perfect material that I was like, I might as well just make it myself. Um, and I love drawing and all that stuff. I love doing, you know, I feel like I'm kind of an artsy person. So Um, I just started making my own and it was a lot easier than I thought. I did start off by using like symbol sticks and board maker. Um, but I think after time it kind of just became a way for me to unwind after work, which kind of sounds weird because it's like I go to work and then to unwind, I kind of do more stuff for work, but it was kind of just a nice way to unwind, you know, like draw the pictures, make materials, make things look pretty and then use them the next day and kind of see how, how they work with my kids. Um, so actually a lot of the materials that I make are resources that I need for my kids. And then I just end up listing them and they, yeah, they've been super helpful. Uh, I've gotten feedback on, on a lot of them. People enjoy it. So it's just something I continue to do after that. And it's been really fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's like you took it from, basically obviously wanting to benefit your students or your clients um, and tailoring it to, you know, especially like I think in my world, because I go back to being a school-based SLP, I'm like, you know, we right. have individualized goals and every client or student is, you know, everything's individualized um, because every child, every human, everybody's different. And so right. it's so awesome that you're like, okay, you need maybe this little difference in a material or an activity and I'm going to make sure that you have that. And then I think it's also so cool that you get to put your own like your own heart and soul into it for your right. for your little yeah. um and your own artistic outlet can be kind of I, I don't know I'm I'm definitely like I'm big on having my creative outlets um <laughs> and so like you know I 
I go home after work and I want to write or I want to, my boyfriend's the drawer. He does draw um, (laughs) when he needs to kind of release. But um, yeah, I think that that's, I just love that because it's like, it just makes it so personal. Um, It does, yeah. Yeah. Now, (laughs) this is a little bit off top. Well, not kind of, but you mentioned you you were using board maker. I was. Because, yes. <laughs> like, I live on Board Maker, but I also really don't like it. Um, right. You know, the symbols where they're just little they're, heads. They're so sticks. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. I know. And I really want to love them. Some of them, it's great because they have, like, just every symbol you need. Which, yes. And it's definitely a time saver. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the best drawer, you know. I'm not, I'm not the greatest artist. But, I mean, I think they're a little more fun than... Yeah. Those little suits, um, you know, and it, it is also fun because you kind of just get to personalize things how you yeah. want. So, like all the people I draw, you know, and like this kind of touches on kind of like what's going on right now. Sure. But like I do feel like we need more diversity in our speech materials, you know. I agree. So like when I draw um, the stick people, not my, I don't do stick people. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, when I do my people, you know, it's fun because I get to to make people of all skin colors and mm-hmm. you know, I get to make them all look different. So, which isn't something that you can easily find on all of those programs. No. And I actually, at, um, you know, one point this year, I really got frustrated. I mean, I was sitting in my speech room, like, I don't like this. I don't like that. There's only one color of skin tone for this visual that I really need. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, it, it, I mean, it did affect me a little bit personally only because I was like, I'd, I'd love to, to have, you know, variety or if I'm making a social story and board maker is my only resource. Cause that's what my district bought. Like, um, uh, you know, I want it to be more applicable to what the classrooms look like. They're diverse. Um, right. they're, so yeah, I love that. And I, I encourage you all to go, you're on TPT, right? Teachers pay teachers. Yeah. <laughs> go find her. <laughs> And I will say though, just putting this out there, Board Maker does have some characters that they do. are, you know, different skin colors, different hair, but you kind of have to search for them a little harder, I feel like. You you do. And I think that's where my frustration was. I was like, why can't like you know how on um on iPhone where you have the emojis and you can quickly yes, tap and find it. it. I that was my whole beef with it. I was like, I sh- this should not be this hard and then in that moment, I got really frustrated. Yeah, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to talk against Board Maker, oh, but yeah. it it's definitely, and it's not only for that. I mean, they're the images are just. I work with preschoolers, and sometimes I'm like, these images just don't pertain to them. They're not. Right. They, they don't. Yeah. You know, they see like this bald guy. They <laughs> like I don't know. It's bald <laughs> cartoon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was it. It's like it's not easy, and then I wasn't. I was having a hard time finding like I needed an image for somebody saying I want. And I was like, right. wait, but where's like, I want a different skin tone. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So. It is those little symbols that um, do make it a little hard. So I feel yeah. like when you search like girl or something, you know, a lot of skin tones come up, but when yeah. you search something like sad or happy, you know, it's all the same bald head with yeah. those emotions. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I did. One thing I did do, which takes a lot of time, so I'm glad that I know I have your resource now, but um, I would, like, print them out in just the black and white scale. Like, I'd put it on that, and then I'd color them in myself. (laughs) But that takes, 
you know, your school-based oh, wow. SLP. You don't have all that time. Right. Um, Cutting but, things out alone take forever. So, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Putting that onto a Word doc takes forever. So <laughs> to do the extra stuff, like it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. But I do. I applaud you for, um, for just using your talents. And, and I like hearing about, like, I like hearing speech pathologist stories. And it, this partially is because I am a speech pathologist. And I've, right. you know, in the last few months gotten to know you and so many other really passionate speech pathologists um, who mm -hmm. I just admire so much and who inspire me. But it's also so cool to get to talk to you guys and hear these stories about how you bridge, you know, your passions outside of being a speech pathologist to the work that you do, like drawing and right. creating materials. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's really awesome. Um, okay. And then aside from making your materials, <laughs> you um, and I have talked a little bit about your involvement with parents because now that you're working in more of a private setting you um you do have a little bit more involvement maybe than i do with parents mm -hmm. and so yeah. i kind of wanted to um kind of pick your brain and just ask you how it is that you go about getting um parent buy-in i know we're like switching really fast from materials to parents but oh. <laughs> i just i want to make sure we get these things because these are things um that I'm like, I'm kind of learning. I like doing this podcast stuff because I'm learning from you guys. And it's really exciting because yeah. I want to I work more. One of my goals is to have more parent involvement, parent empowerment. And so I'm learning from you. <laughs> yeah. So I, so it wasn't until I started working at the second private practice that I um, really started to see the advantages of having parents sit in. So my last private practice I was at, a lot of times we would tell the parents, you know, like you can wait in the waiting room because at that private practice, we did find that a lot of times having the parent in the room wouldn't always benefit the kid. So I do feel like, too, you kind of have to figure out which kids um, it's best for parents to sit in with. So, for example, at my last private practice, we did a lot of pediatric feeding. But when the parents were in there, you know, the kids would kind of like look at them to escape, you know, if they didn't want to eat the food or they would cry and run to the parents. But in that situation, when we had the parents sit out, the kid had nothing to escape to. So they were, um, plus their, their parents have seen them refuse these foods at home all the time. So them doing it in front of their parents, you know, they're not going to just stuff the food in their mouth and start eating it because they're like, oh, my parents, you know, if they see me do it here, I might have to do it at home. Um, but so at my last private practice, we didn't have many parents sit in, but I started working at this new private practice almost about a year and a half ago. And we started having over here, we have almost all of our parents sit in, which at first I was kind of like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this, you know, and I, to be honest, I hated it at first because I was like, I just want to do my own thing. I want to be able to, you know, be silly with the kids without kind of feeling self-conscious because sometimes we do, you know, we sound silly and um, it could be a little embarrassing when if you're just over the top, but some kids need it and their parents are like, oh, you know, because they're not like that with the kids at home. Um, so, yeah, I feel like at this new private practice, I started to see, especially for early intervention, when the parents are seeing the techniques that I'm doing, they're more likely to pick it up. And I've had so many parents tell me like, oh, I didn't realize we should be putting this much demand on them. You know, I occasionally prompt them for more, but like, I didn't realize how, how much we could be doing it or like how many opportunities there are to do it. So I felt like that it's super helpful 
um, in that sense. And even with my articulation kiddos, a lot of times their parents don't usually sit in because they're a little older. But the parents that do, it's nice because they're able to kind of learn the, the cues I give the kids. We work on gestural cues. And then they're able to teach their kids to use those cues at home. So they, they kind of like hold their kids accountable. Like, okay, remember what Danica taught you when we make this sound, our hands open. And it is those parents um, that sit into sessions that always tell me like, oh, they're using their cues at home, you know, because they, they're able to remind their children to use those cues. And I have also noticed that when parents are really involved, these are my kids that I see progress a little quicker. So every kid does progress at their own rate, but I, I have noticed that a lot of my kids that do progress really quickly, it's their parents that sit into sessions, they ask me for homework, you know, and they're constantly practicing with their kids at home, and they're also open to learning a lot more. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And really quick, I don't know if you mentioned this before, but I wanted to get kind of an idea of the ages you work with. So I work with, I would say... 50% of my clients right now are early intervention, and okay. then the other 50% are school age. So school age. Um, like language, articulation, and I have just a couple feeding kids right now. Okay. So, so yeah, it yeah, definitely would vary whether or mm -hmm. not you have the parent in, especially like if you look at their goals and, you know, right. what they're working on. Um, so that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then, so homework, you give homework. Right. <laughs> Um, what, what would you do for homework? Yeah, so it's, I feel like a lot of um, therapists kind of get stuck on this, especially when it's early intervention, because they're like, how can you give early intervention kids homework, you know, and it's so easy for like, articulations kind of, you give them a handout, they can practice words, you can send them a boom activity, and they can practice words on that, you know, you can go on scavenger hunts, stuff like that. But with early intervention, a lot of times I'll give parents um, handouts so that they can read up on different techniques. Um, and then we'll practice those techniques in sessions. Um, lately now for teletherapy, what I've been doing is I found this early intervention book. I can't remember what it's called, but it has a ton of early intervention activities. And I basically take a small one from that book um, and then send it to them at the end of the session. And it's something really simple. It could be as simple as um, child will learn to attend to pictures. So it kind of walks them through and it, asks, it tells them what materials to have. So it tells them to grab a book um, and it kind of walks them through the whole thing. So read the book and then, you know, have them point to the pictures and kind of look at them. And it's really nice because it just walks them through the whole thing. It tells um, them how to prompt. And then in addition to that, that's also another reason why I created the podcast. So I just wanted to have something, you know, sometimes I'll just send the parents the link to the podcast and be like, just listen to this episode, you know. Sometimes I'll send them quick videos if I see another therapist um, demonstrating a technique that I feel like they can benefit from. I'll do that. So that's usually my early intervention stuff. Language kids, kind of like articulation, you can give them handouts, things like that. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's usually how I do homework for all of them. That's awesome. Um, it makes me want to start assigning homework to preschoolers, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, I had a taste of it during, cause you know, during distance learning for this, my school district, it was all about sending weekly kind of 
um, lessons or weekly activity options for them if parents wanted to do them or not. So it was kind of the same thing where I'd have to, I realized like, kind of like you with the podcast where you're like, they might need like an extra walkthrough with this. Maybe I can word this a certain way. So I would make a video and post it on my teacher website, you know, or it's like, here you go. (laughs) Um, But I think that it's, it's kind of cool to give those parents those tools to do at home and, and help them feel like they can do what they see us do if they are in the speech setting with you. Right. You know, my, my parents aren't, but um, I do, you know, for certain students, I might offer them a time to come in and observe and be a part of the session if it's an individual session. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it's, it is so powerful for them to feel like they can do the same things if they're given the supports and the tools. So, right. Yeah. And I will say too, um, I've also learned that um, it's good to check in with parents about the homework because there were some parents where I was giving them homework assignments every week, but they Mm -hmm. weren't really able to complete all of them every week. So it would be piling up. And I felt like I was starting to cause a little stress in that area because they just started piling up with, worksheets, you know, so I've kind of made it a point to ask the parents, like, do you want me to send homework assignments every week with you? Um, Because I do have some parents that request every week they would like a new activity, Mm -hmm. um, but other parents, you know, maybe every other week would be better for them because, you know, they have so much going on in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing too, I I will say, because I know a lot of us are doing teletherapy right now. Mm -hmm. So boom, there's this feature. I don't know if you've played around with Boom. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> so, like in the library, you can send a fast pin. So the parents oh, yeah. have to create accounts and they can work on it um, on their phone, tablet, computer. So yeah, I tell parents that. But they've all seemed to really enjoy those activities because they're a little more interactive and kids are able to kind of play around a little more. Yeah, no, that's love. awesome. I know. They do. Yeah. I like them more than me. Right. <laughs> um, and so why is it so important to make sure you're getting those parents kind of involved and in getting their buy-in with the, with the speech stuff, I guess? So I feel like it is important to get them involved. Um, I did talk about how I, I notice a, a um, quicker change in my kids that, that have parents involved. Um, And I also feel like it's good to talk to parents and, you know, like I said, just check in with them. So ask them, how do you feel about your child's speech and language? Is there something that you guys are still struggling with at home? Um, And I feel like when you get them more involved, they're they're more likely to open up to you. So, and it kind of goes back to building rapport with them. So you kind of want to build rapport with them because they begin to trust you a little more, you know, and they... And like I said, they, they feel more open with you. So especially during teletherapy, it's been with the coronavirus and all this stuff, it's been a little hard for a lot of the families. So um, I'm noticing a lot of parents are opening up to me a little more. You know, they're in their homes and it's just a hard time for everyone. But I think it's nice because they're able to tell me what they're struggling with at home and what their kids, you know, what their kids enjoy doing, what they don't. And it kind of helps you kind of modify the sessions in a way that their kids will enjoy. Um, so I don't know if that made sense, but <laughs> no, totally did. Yeah. I, I think because it is so important and I, um, I talked about this before on other podcasts, but I'm so big on, and that's why I was like, Oh, I got to get you on here. Cause you do right. do this and you're in, you're just, um, 
your clinical life, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's so important to have that rapport with parents. And I even see it in the schools. I mean, I don't obviously right. have parents dropping off their kiddos or waiting for their kiddos on site when we have speech, but I've been a part of, you know, those, some of the kids initial evaluation. So I'm the first contact sometimes that these parents have when we're assessing their kids. And then when they have the meeting, when we determine if they're going to be in speech. Um, And then, you know, every meeting after that, I'm there with them. And so it's, it's really important to have ways that you can make those meaningful connections. And like you said, you know, with things that happen in life, like COVID and things that change, I mean, I learned really quickly, I kind of had to be not only a support for my students in that set, in that situation, but a support for their parents, because I had parents emailing me, you know, like, well, I've got this, 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 and this going on. And I, I didn't ask them what they had going on. Um, But they're overwhelmed. And I need to listen to that and say, I'm with you. Um, Mm -hmm. So you let me know what you need and what's going to help your child right now. Um, or even, you know, in my, when, cause later on in our district decided to go the teletherapy route. And so once I started that, um, you know, I'd sit with parents for like five to 10 minutes after every session and just talk and, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, we weren't talking about the session, but I kind of, it gives you as a, it just gives you that human connection. It's, it becomes yeah. less, less of a therapist and parent and more like we're a team. Um, yeah. And I know you did say you talk about things sometimes that don't relate to therapy, and I feel like it is important to do. Um, I have this one family where, like, the last 10 minutes, you know, we kind of check in with each other about, you know, how are you doing? I know, you know, and we kind of talk about what's going on in the world, Mm -hmm. uh, which I feel like is important. And one thing that the mom said to me last time is, you know, she kind of teared up and she was like, it's so nice talking to you because we I'll kind of forget that everyone's going through this right now. Yeah. You know, it feels like it's easy for us to feel like we're, you know, we're alone because we're all kind of isolated in oh. our home, you know, yeah. but so it's been really nice talking to that family and we kind of just, you know, talk about things other than the speech because mm-hmm. another thing too is we took counseling classes in our, yep. you know, in our program. So it is, you know, we do have to talk to the parents and kind of see how other parts of their lives are going because I feel like it kind of helps us when we're doing therapy, you know, if yeah. we're, you know, especially with the homework assignment, like going back to that, I knowing what they're going through in their lives kind of helps me figure out which homework as- assignment is best to give to them. Some families yeah. are able to prep for, you know, a couple hours and do fun activities and, you know, get a, a like build a sensory bin, but other families might just have time to do like a little boom deck. So yeah. Kind of that too. No, yeah. that's fantastic. Oh, I don't. I just love it. Um, I could talk. <laughs> I could talk about like how how can we, you know, keep parents feeling um, inspired and positive about their kiddos' speech therapy. I could talk about it all day because I think it's if we don't, um, especially. I mean, not just with the little ones, but when they're getting started in speech, and um, parents are still learning the whole system and and they're still in this um kind of you know I mean I get them sometimes where they're still in a certain place and maybe a grieving process and we don't always see it it's not always Mm -hmm. overt but you know they learned that their child um has all these needs and this is the you know 
I don't want to say label, but it is an eligibility category in my, in my IEP right. terms. And um, they're going through some stuff with just that. And, and sometimes parents feel guilty. And so it's really important to make mm-hmm. sure that they feel like they're on, we're, we're on their side. We're part of their team um, mm-hmm. with no judgment and things like that. And that kind of leads me into my next little question here about parent um, empowerment. And Mm -hmm. um, this is, again, something that I just am really big on because I do get the opportunity to work with a lot of families kind of at the beginning of their school special education stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wanted to ask you, what does that mean to you? Right. So I feel like that parent empowerment, I feel like we have to teach parents, you know, to kind of believe in themselves and realize that what they're seeing us do in therapy, they can do at home. Um, I also feel like we should acknowledge the efforts that they're making. Um, I've had a couple parents and it happens a lot with early intervention, you know, and I kind of feel bad sometimes, but I'm working with a kid and they, you know, they say their first words with me and their parents are like, that's so weird. You know, they never say they don't talk like this with me at home, you know, and I have seen some parents, you know, they get kind of sad in sessions because their kids don't talk at home, but I think it's just us. We have to kind of teach them, well, you know, I'm, I'm trained to do this, you know, and kind of remind them that not everyone, no, no one knows to, um, like, no one's going to know how to elicit language from a kid unless you've studied it, you know, and it's my job. So I know how to do it. But Um, this one mom, I remember she, like every session, the first five sessions, she would always be like, it's so weird. Like she's never like this at home. And I just had to keep reminding the mom, like I do this every day with kids, you know? So I, I have no techniques to use, um, to get her to talk to me. And then I, I started, you know, kind of educating the mom more on these techniques. She started doing it at home and then, Um, one session she came in and she was like, oh, look, and she showed me a video and her kid was talking at home, you know, kind of just like how she talks in therapy sessions with me. So I feel like it's really good to not only provide good therapy, but also teach parents how to carry it over at home. Um, And like I said, acknowledging their efforts. So you can practice with them in sessions, you know, and you can tell them and you could provide some, um, how do you not constructive criticism, but just guidance. So I like how you did that, but maybe we can also try this, you know, and um, this one mom I have, she is amazing. And she, every time I watch over teletherapy, I feel like I'm watching a speech therapist. And I tell her that all the time, you know, and she kind of like blushes, but I tell her, I'm like, you're basically a speech therapist. Like you're doing, you're doing so great. Like this is everything I would do with her, you know, and, and the mom, sometimes I feel like, you know, especially with early interventions, some parents are kind of afraid to come out of their shell. Oh, yeah. Because you know, we, we get, like, goofy. But I think some parents are kind of, like, weird about it. So you kind of just have to acknowledge every effort they're making and know that it's a slow process. Not all of them are going to be like, oh, my gosh, the first time, because I wasn't in my I, first session. You yeah. Know? I was going to say, yeah. I was mortified. In I was so life. awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the train's going up. And then I would kind of pause and be like, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah. So I tried to remember that too when I'm like teaching these parents because it's kind of hard when you first start, you know? And we're kind of teaching them how to be their kids' own therapist at home. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I love that you're talking about 
um, acknowledging their efforts because sometimes all they need to hear or something that you just need to keep reminding them of is, yes, I'm trained to do this, but you brought them here. You brought them to me. Mm -hmm. Um, if you didn't take that step, your child wouldn't be here and making the progress right. making. So it's really, I mean, yeah, you can thank me for my help, but you did the work. I mean, that's, right. yeah. And I think that's so important. As we close out, do you have any like tips for other speech therapists to help facilitate that parent engagement? Because I will say that is something that I know I've always wanted to get better at. And that's something that could be a little bit scary for especially newer speech pathologists um, going in, <laughs> you know, to their first year of their CF and they're like, doesn't really matter the setting because you're going to have to be talking to families wherever you are. Okay. But it is something that can be a little bit intimidating. So I just wanted to get some of your tips for us. Yeah. So I would just tell yourself and just remember that you're the expert on this stuff. Um, and this kind of, I feel like I learned this when I worked in schools, when I did started doing IEPs, I was so nervous. But I realized anytime I said anything, people would be so attentive and, you know, they would be listening and nodding their heads. And I was like, oh, that's right. Like, I'm the expert. So it's kind of like whatever you say, everyone, everyone believes. So, <laughs> you know, and it's just... But you're the expert, so, and they know you're the language expert, so I just go in, don't be nervous, and just be confident. Um, another thing that you can do is just, um, you can ask them, so do you want to sit in on a session and we can see how your kid does? Um, even if it's over teletherapy, this is a lot easier because you're in the home. And then sometimes if parents aren't really interested, I'll say, what if you just come in, in the, during the last 10 minutes? You know, and then you can kind of observe, and a lot of the parents after doing it a couple times, they're interested in coming back. Um, and like I said, just know what, which kids are right to do it with. Um, some early intervention kids, they'll just cry and cry and keep running to their parents if you have parents sit in the room. So with those kids, a lot of times I like to have parents sit out just because I'm able to build rapport with their children when the parents aren't in the room, just a little easier. Um, and then my last tip sometimes, what I like to do is I'll always ask parents if it's okay, but I'll say, you know, since you're not sitting in the room, when they, when I get them to do something, is it okay if I record a video and show it to you at the end of the session? You know, and then I'll show it to them, I'll delete it right in front of them. But it's nice because parents see their kids um, kind of doing what we tell them their kids do, but they don't always want to believe us. Because sometimes I tell parents, I'm like, your kids said 10 words today. And they're like, no, yeah, there's no way. But <laughs> it's nice when you have a video to be like, look, like, they said all these words and yeah. this is kind of how, what I did to get them to say those words. So you can kind of talk them through while they're watching the video um, and give them tips that way too. So yeah. yeah. So I think those are just a couple of tips I would give any starting SLPs. Those are great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Well, um, that's the end of this podcast, but I will, um, Danica, make sure, is there, so we can find you on Instagram, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's at SLP resource. SLP dot resource. Dot resource. Okay. And that'll be, it'll be all in the summary. So people just copy okay. and paste. Perfect. Cause if you're like me, you're not going right. to remember that. Um, right. and then your podcast. The podcast is called speech at home. Speech at home. And then do you mm -hmm. have anywhere else that we can find you or those the main those are the main ones. If the teachers pay teachers stuff and boom learning, mm -hmm. um, boom learning is 
I think it's just SLP resource. Okay. I'll have to double check on that one. Yeah. Um, but I, I link all of that in my Instagram so they can Perfect. find everything. Oh, easy. Yes. Very so, easy. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you all so much for listening today. As always, I am so grateful for your support, and I definitely request that you review, rate, subscribe the podcast, let me know how you're liking everything. Also, you can find me over at thanksmorris.com, where there's a page for you to fill out in case you want to suggest any topics, nominate yourself or a friend to be on the podcast, or just connect with me via email. You can also find me on Instagram at thanksmorris, which I've probably told you a million times now. Either way, I hope you have a beautiful day, and I can't wait to talk again.